Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. I'm excited about this message because, first of all, I love 1 John. Um, but secondly, I think it's such a, a blessing to talk about um, the love of God and what makes us distinct as the people of God. And so, um, man, let's pray again, and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we ask that your blessing will be on this message now. Lord, use me uh, in whatever way you want, Lord, just as a mouthpiece, uh, just to speak what your truth is, Lord. Um, Lord, we realize that you are the, the center of everything, God. You are the point of it all. And so, God, as we are looking into your word and we're looking to your, uh, your help and your spirits leading in this place, God, we ask that uh, you would be exalted. Lord, we're, we're here tonight, and it's been a long day, and many are tired. Uh, but, God, I pray tonight we'd be refreshed in your word and our spirit. Uh, we would be encouraged and also challenged at the same time uh, with what it is to be your people. And, again, in, in light of the love that you've shown us, Lord. And so I ask you just, again, to bless now. And we again thank you for this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, in the last, the last message that we had in 1 John, uh, we saw how the, the children of God has, have the presence and also the indwelling, uh, or both, both indwelling and the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. And w- we talked about how uh, that anointing, which 1 John mentions, 1 John chapter 2 mentions, is something that is, as, you will, as we, we talked about, the smearing of the Holy Spirit, um, the presence, the, the power. And so when uh, I've talked about how some people abuse that, that term, uh, you're, you're anointed. Well, if you're a child of God, you're anointed with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we, we sometimes hear things like that and say, oh, that's such an anointed. Uh, well, that's such an anointed person. Well, yeah, every, every person who's a child of God is anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, there's just sometimes some language that uh, isn't as, as biblical as it may seem. Uh, it sounds very spiritual, but it's not necessarily bi- biblical. So, uh, but again, the, the Spirit's presence, His power, His purpose in our lives, all, all of it is to help us, to guide us, to teach us, to help us discern uh, error and to be able to, to know what the truth is. The Bible says that He, come to, he came to lead us into all truth. Um, and not only that, but to help us discern false teachers. And so if we have the Spirit of God in us, if we are being guided in the truth, then it's going to be clear when someone is teaching error. The, the difficulty is this. There's so many people that are not in the Word of God to allow the Spirit of God to teach them and to lead them into truth that when they hear something that sounds good or sounds spiritual, even though it's an error, they cling to it. They say, man, that sounds so good. That sounds so spiritual. That, that has to be right. But it's not right. It's error. And so, again, that's why we have the Spirit's presence in our life is to help us discern truth from error. And so in the last part of chapter 2 that we were looking in, there was this transition from uh, the different marks of of a Christ. And and, and so we're going to touch on that a little bit and and move forward. So uh, if you have your Bibles there in 1 John chapter 3, you can actually just look back in the first, uh, the last two, I'm sorry, the last two verses of chapter 2. And it says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Again, this is what we looked at last time. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So again, 
there's this pointing of the fact that when you are living a life of obedience, which means that you are uh, living in righteousness by faith in the Son of God, that it's evidence that you've been born of Him. And that's, that's what John says. If you are living in righteousness, if you're walking in that righteousness, the only way that you can do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit and the fact that you've been born again. Um, the Bible says because in, in man's nature, there's none that doeth good. There's none that, that do righteous. And so um, if we are doing what's right in the sight of God, it's only because we've been born of God and we've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that do good things, but they're not necessarily doing what's right in God's sight because they're not right with God because they're not born of God. And so um, the point is being born of God, being born again, it's the vital element in this. Um, again, there's, there's churches that are, that are full every week with people that are not born again, that are doing things that are, are good, but they're not right in God's sight because they are not right with God. And so that's such an important uh, point. It's, it's John, his, his account that he, he mentioned in uh, his, his gospel that is something I want to look at, but he, he points this out to Nicodemus. Many of you know the story in John chapter 3. I just want to read some of that because um, this is exactly the point of being born again, the, the exact point of being able to do what's right in God's sight, being righteous. The only way is to be born again. Again, that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, no one, because no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher, the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the, uh, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then here's the scripture we all know well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. And again, this is the same point John is being inspired to write back in, in 1 John. Um, this was the account that, that he, he wrote down uh, in the gospel, but it's the same, same point, talking about being born again and then moving on to the love of God. If you have your Bibles there in 1 John chapter 3, it says this, Behold, look, see what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us. Again, he just, we, we just read in, in John chapter 3, God so loved the world 
And so in light of this transformation, a lot of this, the fact that, that only those who are born again can do what's right in God's sight, the fact that it, it takes the Holy Spirit's presence in, 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 in dwelling in our life to do this, again, John is moving from that to this, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in himself, or I'm sorry, in him purify himself, even as he is pure. I, uh, I, I think it's, it's funny sometimes to, to watch how our kids take on mannerisms, take on habits, take on uh, things that sometimes we do. Um, and it's not intentional. Uh, in other words, we're not necessarily trying to teach them certain things, but they sometimes pick up things that we do along the way. And, um, but this is kind of what John is, is talking about in a spiritual sense. Just as children resemble and follow their earthly parents, if we've been born of God, we follow the pattern of him. That's, that's what happens when we're born of God. That's what happens when we're children of God, and that's what he's saying. We follow his pattern. See, Jesus spent a lot of time uh, with his disciples trying to teach them the importance of followership, the importance of following him, the, the importance of, of, of listening to his words and following his commands. He tried to explain it to them over and over again. Many times they, they wouldn't get it. Sometimes he would get to the point and say, oh, you little faith, you don't, you're not getting the point of it all. Again, the, our Lord made clear distinctions, and John is kind of reiterating him, uh, reiterating those distinctions. And so in your notes uh, tonight, I, I put some of those things that John has reiterated and that he continued to reiterate there in those first few verses of chapter 3. The, for the child of God, the first thing that is, is, is such a, an important distinction is this. You have been lavished with God's love to save you. You've been lavished with God's love to save you. If you're a child of God, if you've been born again, that means that you have been saved because God so loved the world that he gave. Again, what manner of love the Father has for us that he's bestowed on us. It's an amazing love. And so, again, when we see the distinction of the children of God, the first thing that I think should stand out is the fact that we've, we've experienced the love of God. He's lavished it on us. He's bestowed it on us. I, I don't know about you, but it, it, it's easy to get wrapped up in our lives and, and forget about just the amazing truth that God loves us. Think about that. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but there's, there's some things that people do to us in this world that make, make them unlovable to us, right? They, they, they're ugly to us. They say bad things about us. They treat us wrong. Um, they don't use their blinkers or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. There's, th there's things that make us not want to love those people. And, but the, again, if we're honest, we do so many things in our life and have done so many things in our life that make us unlovable to God. We've offended him. We've sinned against him. We've broken his laws. We've, we, we, have, we have utterly made a mess of our lives, if we're just honest. Even if you've been in church your whole life, let's just be honest today and say, man, it's been ugly. Because that's just, the, I mean, even if you, you, you've tried, I'm, I'm lived, you, you still, if an honest evaluation is made, you realize you've missed the mark so many times. 
over and over and over again. It may not, necess- it may not necessarily be uh, things that you've committed, sins that you've messed up, you, you've made it messy because things you've done. But again, that's why I said just an honest evaluation. Maybe it's things that you have omitted. Maybe it's things you haven't done along the way that have just made a mess of, of this being a child of God. And so again, th- this truth that God has lavished us with his love to save us is, is, a, is a, an amazing distinction for us as the people of God. But the second thing that he, he points out is the world is foreign to us because it was foreign to Christ. And that's another point of distinction, but it should be also, I think, a little bit of a challenge to us tonight because um, there's, there's a lot of Christianity that tries to be like the world today. There's a lot of melting into the, the worldly culture. And when I say worldly, I'm talking about sinful worldly. We have to live in this world. We have to go to jobs and make money and to pay bills. And I mean, there's, there's part of this world system that we are in, but we're not of. And so again, that's um, uh, a very clear distinction should be found in our lives as children of God that it's, we're foreigners here because Jesus was a foreigner. He was, he was rejected uh, by this world. The third thing is this, we, we have been changed from the inside out. Again, that's a, a clear distinction in the child of God's life. And again, John points it out, and we'll look a little bit more about it tonight. But uh, we've been changed from the inside out. Number four, we, we will ultimately, we'll be ultimately changed when he returns for us. And that's, that's a, a point of truth. He is returning for us. Um, so th- this, is, this is an amazing thing. Uh, and I hear Brother Everett uh, saying hallelujah just had treatment yesterday and, and uh, going through struggles. I know I see Ms. Griselle, many people in here, Miss Debbie, going through great trials and struggles in their physical bodies. And that's kind of what John was saying. Look, we don't know what we're going to be, but we do know this. We're going to be like him when he comes back. You know? And so that, that's an amazing point of hope, and that's what John was saying. That's distinction for us as the children of God. We know that we've been changed from the inside out now, We've been, we've been born again. We've been washed by the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we have been changed from sinners to saints by God's grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, but ultimately, there's going to be a change, a glorification from these earthly bodies to heavenly bodies. And man, that's, that's an amazing point of hope uh, for us as the people of God. But it's a, it's a clear distinction. Number five, we have confidence, trust, faith in Him. Uh, therefore we follow him. And so because of that hope, because of that confidence, because of the trust we've placed in Jesus Christ, we follow him. Again, we are associated with Christ because of our clear life change, because of these distinctions. So when the world looks at us, it, there should be a clear distinction. We've we received the, 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 the grace, the love of God. We've been changed from the inside out. We, we don't fit in here. There's, there's something different about our lives. Again, there's distinctions when we are in Christ that are clear. Jesus talked about being able to decipher one tree's fruit from another's tree's fruit. Good, good fruit and, and evil fruit. Um, and so, again, that is clear in our lives. John chapter 8, Jesus explained it like this. In verse 42, Jesus said to them, If, if God were your father, you would love me. That's a very simple distinction. If, if you were born of God, if you were a child of God, if God was your father, then you would love Jesus Christ. Because I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. 
Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. That's why. You, you, you can't receive what I'm saying. You can't understand what I'm saying because you, you can't hear. You don't have ears to hear. You're, you, are, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father, you're going to continue to do and practice. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own because he's a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. And so again, there's a very clear distinction found in, in, in these truths, found in Scripture. And this, it brings about more distinctions for, for us today as children of God. And there in your notes, uh, more distinctions are, are this. Number one, our direction has changed. Again, if you have been changed from a sinner to a saint, if you've been born again, if you've been saved, then the direction of your life has clearly been changed. I was once a sinner, now I'm not. I love that song. And so, again, our direction has changed. Number two, our desires have changed. We've talked about that in this study, that one of the good evidences, one of the good marks of a Christian is that your want to is different. Your desires changed. When you got saved, all of a sudden, you wanted to do everything that pleased you, and, and you wanted to do everything that was sinful. It was, it was a desire that you had. You were just living for sin. But when you got saved, your desires changed, and you wanted to do what God wanted you to do. You wanted to know his word. That's why you started coming to church. You wanted to read it. You wanted to talk about it. You wanted to tell people in your family and in, in your work. Things change. Your direction changed. Your desires change. And of course, number three, our devotion has changed. When we are a child of God, we are to be devoted. Jesus just said that. You hear my word. You can't hear my always talking to the, the Pharisees there. You can't hear. You can't follow me because you can't hear. Again, when we get saved, direction, desires, and devotion change. But John uh, continues back in, 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 our, in our text uh, with this. He says, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth, transgresseth also the law. In other words, if you practice sin, you live in lawlessness. Again, we just talked about our direction change, our, desi our desires change, our devotion changes. So John's making this clear in this. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law. If you practice sin, you live in lawlessness. And then he explains, for sin is the transgression of the law. I, I use this verse almost every time that I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with somebody. Uh, because um, when you're telling them about um, th the need for salvation, you're telling them the bad news before you're telling them the good news. The bad news is that uh, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. We'll see that in just a second. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So you're, you're, you're telling everybody the bad news before you get to the good news. But if somebody doesn't know what sin is, I always ask them, so this is bad news, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what sin is? Well, it's bad things you do. Well, that's a good thought, I usually say. That's a, that's a good start. But what's bad to you isn't necessarily bad to me, right? Because now we're talking about, well, that's just bad. You know, what, who determines bad, you know? And so if we just say it's the bad things you do, then that, that doesn't have really any solid foundation, and so I always point to this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, 
Sin is the transgressing of the law of God. So whenever you break God's law, you have sinned. So whether you omit something or commit something, that's what it is. And so that, again, that's what John is saying. If you're practicing sin, you're living in lawlessness because you have to understand that sin is breaking God's law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So whoever abideth in him sinneth not, doesn't practice sin. Whoever sinneth or practices sin hath not seen him, neither known him. So again, we're, we're, we're seeing these d distinctions as the children of God. That's why it's so concerning when someone who claims to be a Christian is, is sinning and they're trying to justify that sin and continuing in that sin. Because scripturally it says you can't do that if you're born of God. That's what it says. It doesn't say that you can't uh, sin, we already talked about that in, in, in the earlier parts of 1 John. Whoever says that he doesn't sin is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But to practice sin, to live a life of sin, to, uh, to do those things, again, Scripture says you, you can't do that. Whoever abideth in him doesn't practice sin. That's what that sinneth not means. Doesn't live a life of lawlessness. Whoever, whoever abides in him, whoever is born again, doesn't live this life of disobedience to God. It doesn't mean that they won't occasionally disobey. It doesn't mean that they won't stumble into sin. It doesn't mean that they won't struggle with sin and temptation. Absolutely. All of that is true for every child of God. That's why we, we've talked about this already. The Apostle Paul said, look, there's a frustration because I see a battle within my, within my members. You know, I, I, my body wants to obey the law of sin still. But inside, I desire the law of God. And so again, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him, he says. This is the incorporation of those three truths that we said a while ago, those three more distinctions that our direction, our desires, and our devotion has turned from sin, from practicing sin, from living in sin, for, from living for sin, to righteousness, to practicing righteousness, to living in righteousness, to, to, to living for righteousness. But, but the question that, that I want to look at tonight is, why righteousness? What is, what is that? What is righteousness, right? Because we, we look at lawlessness and unrighteousness, and we look at righteousness and obedience. Hearing God's word, doing God's word, not being able to hear God's word and, and disobeying God, breaking God's law. There, there's two different, again, there's opposites there. There's distinction there. And so look, look in verse 7. He says this, little children, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So why righteousness? Why, why is why is this distinction so important? John just said, because he is righteous. And if we are born of God, then we are, again, to be following after our Father in righteousness, doing what is right. And so the fact that Jesus is right, he is the righteous, to follow him is to follow after what is right in God's sight. How do we know what's right? That's the next question. How do you know what's right in God's sight? He made it so easy and clear for us. 
his word. He gave us his spirit and he gave us his word. How do I know what's right? Again, we, we look in, in our world today and we look even in, in Christian culture today and so many people have different interpretations of what are, what are right. And some of those things are based off of convictions and some of those things aren't even based off of biblical things, but they're just based off of personal convictions. Some of the people have convictions based off of biblical truth and that's good. But some people have convictions based off of personal preference and that's not good. And so again, when we say what is right in God's sight, we look to God's word and we allow his spirit to guide us into all truth to determine what is right to do. And so because we have been changed, because we're born, born of God, because our direction, our desires, our devotion has changed, then we are to be pursuing righteousness. We are to be looking to God and say, God, what do you want from my life? God, how do you want me to live? Not what other people are doing, not what other people are saying, not what other people tell me I should be doing, not what I read on blogs or listen to on YouTube or anything like that, but what do you want me to do? Now, if, if all that stuff is pointing to God's truth, that's great. But again, when we look at this idea or this, this, this character, this trait, righteousness, it is rightness. It is holiness. It's purity. It's the foundation of the throne of God. In Psalms, it says that justice and righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Righteousness. Righteousness is the only acceptable standard to abide in the presence of God. So think about that. God, his presence his, is, is holiness, is purity, is righteousness. And nothing or no one can stand in his presence unless it's righteous. Unless they are righteous. Now we realize that we see in, in the story of Job, the accuser, uh, going and, and, and going before God and, and doing that. It's, it's a mystery that for some reason God has allowed uh, in this spiritual battle. Um, but as far as his habitation, his, his dwelling place, his abode, you cannot be and remain in his presence. You can't be in his family without righteousness. It's the only acceptable standard. That's what makes God's love and his grace so amazing. That's what makes his forgiveness and his salvation so amazing. Maybe to, to best understand uh, what righteousness looks like is to look at the opposites of righteousness. So just some words that I put there. The opposites of, of righteousness would be evil, wicked, wrong, so anything that is evil, anything that's wicked, anything that's wrong, again, according to God, would be unrighteousness. It's the opposite of, of righteousness. So if we look at it like that, there's nothing that's evil, there's nothing that's wicked, there's nothing that's wrong that can abide in the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but when I look in, at, at my life and I look at, um, uh, there's there just, uh, again, an honest evaluation of your life, you, you look at how much evil, how much wicked, how much wrong has been committed in your life, even since you've been a Christian. And so I don't like to consider it evil or wicked. No, we don't, every, man, every man does what, what's right in his own sight. I mean, we, we think all our ways are right, the Bible says. But the reality is, is we, we do wrong. And that wrong can't stand in the presence of God. 
That's what makes, again, the grace of God so amazing. So, so follow this for just a second. As we said a while ago, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody that doeth good. So if that's the reality, who can stand before the, God, the Lord if, if there is none that's righteous, there's none that doeth good, there's none good, no, not one. Who can stand before God? Isaiah 64, 6 says that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Or all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That's a better explanation of that. So everything that we could ever do in ourselves, there's no one that could ever do anything good enough that in the presence of God would be acceptable. Because the only acceptable thing in God's presence is righteousness. We're talking about distinction. We're talking about those who have been changed. How is it that if we are unrighteous in ourselves... How is it that we could ever stand before God? How is it that we could ever call upon God's name? How is it that we could ever have this distinction of living a righteous life? So many people say, well, I, you know, we're, we're just sinners saved by grace. I, I can't be righteous. But we just read in 1 John that if we are of God, that we, we do what's righteous. We, we, we do righteousness because he's righteous. So how, how, how do we reconcile this? In Romans chapter 4 Verse 3, it says, for what saith the Scripture? That's a good thing to do. We say, well, how do we do this? Let's look to the Scripture. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Many of you know that Scripture. We've, we've talked about it and preached on that before. But that's how Abraham was considered righteous in God's sight, is he trusted in God. And because of his faith, Righteousness was deposited in his life's account. Amen. Look on, it says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if you're trying to work for righteousness, then if you were to get anything of that, it's, it's, it's out of debt, not grace. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Same thing. Not just for Abraham, because we know that Abraham was not a perfect person, right? We know that Abraham, what did Abraham do? Abraham jumped the gun, uh, had, had this side uh, affair with um, uh, Hagar, and ends up having Ishmael, right? Doesn't wait on God's promise. Um, and Sarah says, hey, you need to do this because we're running out of time. So we know he does that. But Abraham had messed up before that too. But Abraham in his life, comes to a point where we know that his faith is tested there with the promised son of Isaac. And again, it's revealed that his trust is absolute in God uh, through that, that test there. But for us today, it's the same thing. We can have righteousness in our account. We can stand before God because of our faith in, in the Lord. Even as David also described the blessedness of, of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness, without work, saying, blessed are, those, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. And so again, I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So tonight, I, I, I wanted us to, to see the, these distinctions. I want us to, to appreciate 
what it is that we have in Jesus Christ. Not, not only the being lavished with God's love and all those things, but the, think about this. We have the ability to do what's right in God's sight, being unrighteous in ourselves. Again, I, I, it, it, sitting here on a Wednesday night, uh, hearing these words and not having uh, been meditating on, on them all day long and thinking about them, um, like I have, but I, I, I want you to just think about that for a second. All the wrong, all of the sin, all of the unrighteousness, all the wickedness, all the evil, all the things that have existed in your life, both before Christ and even after Christ, all of those things make us unworthy in his presence. But the moment that we trusted him, the moment that we were born again, the moment that we became the children of God by faith, was that that moment that he deposited his righteousness into our account, and again, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, enabled us to live a life of righteousness, a life that's pleasing to God. And so tonight we have to ask ourselves, is that how I'm living? Am am I yielding myself to the Spirit of God who can lead lead me into all truth, can lead me into all righteousness? Am, Am I yielding my life to live in a way that's pleasing to him, which is, is only in righteousness. It's only by his grace, only because of his love, only because of his mercy, only because of his salvation that we can be taken from unrighteousness, that we can be taken from aliens, that we can be taken from enemies of God to being righteous by faith, be taken from that to being forgiven, to being brought near, to being adopted sons and daughters, It's only by the love and the grace of God through Jesus Christ, the righteous one. This is essentially what John summarizes next as we get ready to finish this. In verse 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil. Again, when it's talking about this, it's talking about living a life or practicing sin. If you're practicing sin, he that practices sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. This is the reason why Jesus came, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, doesn't practice sin. Listen to that again. Whoever is born of God doesn't practice sin. Whoever is born of God doesn't live a life of sin. Whoever is born of God doesn't live in sin. So what he's saying. Why? He says, because his seed remaineth in him. It's not like the Spirit of God leaves us and then comes back and leaves us and comes back. It's not, that's not how it happens. When we get saved, the Spirit of God comes to indwell in us. He comes to live in us. He is the guarantee. We've already seen that. He's the seal. He's the promise. So again, when the Holy Spirit's in us, we have the ability to live in righteousness. So when someone says, well, God will forgive me. It's not a big deal. I can can continue to to live with this person. I can continue to to have this this relationship. I can continue to uh, neglect this. I can continue to, to not do this. God... It's fine, his grace, his forgiveness. John challenges that. If you are living in sin, if you're practicing sin, that's the opposite of what actually happens when someone has the Spirit in in them. Again, he says, here's how the children of God are manifested. Here's the distinction in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. So finally, these 
distinctions, more distinctions are reiterated. I'm going to have them there in your notes. If you are born of God, you do not practice sin. You can't. Because the seed is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You, you are in righteousness. You're not in unrighteousness anymore. Again, let's make this clear. We've already seen that in first, the earlier part of 1 John, that if you say that you have no sin, that you're, you're lying. So we realize that we do commit, we do fall into sin. There are sins that we do, but we don't live in sin. We don't live a life of lawlessness. We don't live a life of uh, transgressing God's law. We don't live a life of, of practicing sin if you're born of God. You don't, that's what he just said. You, you don't practice sin if you're born of God. You can't. Secondly, if you don't practice sin, then the opposite is true. You practice righteousness. You live in righteousness, which again is living right or right living, obedience to God's word by faith. So if you are born again, you and I live a life that is right in the sight of God because of the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, because we've been changed. Our direction, our devotion, our desires have all changed. And that enables us to live a life of righteousness, practice righteousness. And thirdly, if you're born of God, you love the church. You love your brothers. You love your, you, you love your brothers and sisters. So good. A, a very clear distinction is found with those who are in Christ. Those who are uh, born of God. Those who are born again. Those who are the children of God. It's very clear. You don't practice sin, but you practice righteousness and you love the brethren. So the opposite is true if you're still a child of the devil. You practice sin. You don't practice right living or obedience to God. And you don't love the church. You don't love the brethren. And this is where it gets difficult for us sometimes, right? Because we see a lot of good-meaning people that it, it's, there's no distinction in their life, though. They're, they're, they're still living in sin, or they're still, they still don't practice what's right. They don't still live a life. So when you look at your life, does your life, is it patterned after obedience to God's word? That's righteous living by faith. When you, when you look at your life, how, she's, how do I know if, if I am practicing righteousness versus practicing sin? Because I feel like I'm struggling with sin every day, and it feels like I give in to, to temptation too often. I feel like I'm sinning more than I should. How, how do I know? Look at the pattern of your life. Because it may boil down to the fact that your, your desires have changed, your devotion has changed, your direction has changed. You're still struggling with sin, or you're still struggling with that sin, or those sins, or whatever. Because maybe you're not abiding in, in, in the Lord. Maybe you're not in his word. Maybe you're not um, spending the time with him. And so the, the power is gone. But again, you say, how, how do I know? Look at the pattern of your life. Look at the desires of your life. Like we talked about before, the direction, the desires, and the devotion. We look at the Apostle Paul, again, in Romans chapter 7, we mentioned it earlier. It, he, he said there's... there's Times that I do things that I don't want to do. That's that desire thing. There's times that I don't do things that I want to do. It's, it's that desire thing. It's, it's 
it's been changed. The direction's been changed. The desire's been changed. The devotion's been changed. And so look, look at the, the exam in your life. And the same thing, when you look at other people that you, you know, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, and you say, how do I know if they're a Christian? It's, it, there's a distinction. It's clear. Again, where it gets muddied is when you have people that are backslidden. <laughs> and that, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a, a little bit muddy there. But this evening, I just wanted us to be reminded of what it is to be a child of God. To be a child of God is to be, again, born again by His grace, but to live in righteousness because He is righteous. We've been afforded this amazing privilege. We can do it because we've been changed because of the Spirit. And so let's be reminded that what makes us distinct is our love and our lifestyle. That's what should make us distinct. When, when we encounter people, it should be clear that we're the children of God because of our love and our lifestyle. So I, I'm just here tonight, though, and I'm struggling. I, I'm really struggling with, with the lifestyle thing. Or maybe you're struggling with the love thing. And maybe just talk to the Lord about it. If you're, not, if you're not dealing with it, you can't get it right. Maybe just setting it aside and ignoring it. But this is how this love and this lifestyle is how we point others to the life-changing power of the gospel, right? Because how are we to say this is what you need in your life if nothing's really changed in ours or if it's not clear that it's changed in ours? So let's be encouraged that God is still doing that saving work. Uh, again, I, I'm standing here tonight and, and, and I've been uh, a Christian for, um, I guess, three quarters of my life. And... I think about how, how many years went by of um, not taking advantage of, of the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. Uh, how, many, how many years went by of, uh, of not um, abiding and not meditating on these truths? Like I said a while ago, I, I'm unrighteous in myself, and yet He has made me righteous because of Jesus Christ. That's, that's a phenomenal thought. Because, again, you're sitting there, and I'm standing there, and I know the thoughts that I've had in my mind before. You know the thoughts you've had. You know the things you've done. You know the things you've said. And how wrong and evil and wicked they, they can be. And to think that God is perfect and holy and righteous, and there is no, splot, uh, no blot or, 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 or blemish. There's, there's nothing... There's no spot in him. He is perfect, pure, white, holy, everything that you, we can't imagine. And yet we can, we can be in his presence. We can approach him. We can talk to him because of what he's done for us. And so again, let's just leave this place tonight encouraged, reminded, challenged, of being a distinct child of God. The fact that we're privileged to be a part of his plan. Man, I, I don't know about you, but um, when, I, when I think about that, it's very humbling that God would want me to ever speak to anybody. But when you think about his grace, that's when you say, ah, I can talk about that. So let's be challenged that our lives are to be different and distinct. We're distinct as the children of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to gather in this place and, and be reminded of these things. 
Lord, again, I know that there are many here and we're all tired. It's been a long day, but I pray that these, these truths uh, would just be something of an encouragement to us. And maybe there are a challenge to some. Maybe there are some tonight that are struggling with sin uh, that needed to be reminded that they are to be distinct. And they have the power. They have the resources there. Your spirit, your truth, the change in their life to, to live a life of righteousness, to live after you. And even though there may be a, a culture in our world today uh, that is associated with Christianity that says that, that righteousness is legalism and righteousness is uh, not accepted or cool or whatever, um, Lord, help us as your people to embrace righteousness, Lord, to live lives of holiness, to live lives according to your word, because that makes us distinct. We're we're, we're unable to do that because of what you've done in our lives. And so, God, help us to, uh, again, have that bold love and that bold lifestyle for you. And we pray that you would just move tonight, Lord, as we respond to this word. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.